All right, episode number three, X Factor Roping Talk Show. This is going to be presented to you by RPX, supplementing the American Cowboy. Today's episode, we get a couple healers on, Wesley Thorpe, Peyton Bray. You know, there's been a lot of recent recent events with crossfire rules, um, things like that. So we kind of dove into it with both these guys a little bit. It's pretty fun. Also, we talked to Wesley, get get a really good perspective about what he's going on in his life, what he got going on in his life. Um, also, Peyton Bray's is kind of unique in the sense of we've been doing rundown episodes where we have a screen that we can draw on. Um, and it makes it pretty unique to watch the video aspect of this. So for people that are listening to the podcast, you might want to check that out on our YouTube channel or xfactorroping.com because we get into a few of the runs from the NFR from San Antonio and then some per personal videos that X Factor Roping had shot. And we talk about the crossfire rule and kind of where that comes into play and, and also like where steers are legal and, and kind of how we see it and, and, and these guys see it as well. So kind of a unique episode and how we did it. Yeah, for sure. And for all you all you people out there listening on the episode on the podcast, um, if there's a couple things during Peyton's interview that we talked about where you're a little unsure of what we're really going with and talking about, check it out on on YouTube or on the xfactoroping.com website. And uh, it's pretty cool. We can really kind of break it down and see what he thinks. So and uh, don't forget, this episode is brought to you by RPX Enterprises, supplementing the American Cowboy. XFR Talk Show, episode number three. Uh, RPX Enterprises is going to bring us this show, supplementing the American Cowboy. Our first guest, and I started writing down like all the accomplishments, and it's it's a long list. So uh, USTRC, all-time money earner before the age of 17. I, I don't even know. I haven't, we haven't checked the stats on that, but I can guarantee it's this guy. Two-time college finals champion, six-time NFR qualifier, BFI champion, world champion, average champion, Wesley Thorpe. Thanks for coming on, man. He's everything champion, Wesley. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, man. Well, you know, with this show, I think obviously we, we love to, to kind of discuss like events and things that's kind of went on and you know we've got Peyton Bray coming on a little bit later and we're going to talk about the crossfire rule and just and what it's like being a healer with where the roping is so fast now and and how it's kind of changed but you know the the one thing that happened to you this summer I was kind of curious about was Pendleton was it round one with you guys yes it was the first round at Pendleton so kind of take me through what, what happened over there at Pendleton because they pretty much stopped the slack for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, that's all I really know. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, we had a really good steer. Um, Cody got a good start, headed him about a coil away, and he just rolled him out the front, did a really good job handling him. And the steer, he rolled, and when he got legal, like I threw it, and then about the – the next, what would have been the next hop, he slipped. And so, like, he slipped and his hips went down the arena. And that was when my loop hit. So, like, from a certain angle, um, the flag or, like, the way it's written in the rules is it's a uh, completed switch, you know, has to occur. So, the flaggers misinterpret that for um, technically after the steer was legal, he switched um, again. And that was what he was seeing as a crossfire, per se. Um and anyway, I healed him. It, it was blatantly legal, but as we went on, they, they've added a new judge in the arena to a second opinion, per se. And we were sitting on the sideline, and about three or four teams went, and the judge that was on the ground went and said he thought that was a crossfire, so they called it out. 
uh, you know, a few teams later. Um, anyway, it was a pretty controversial call. Uh, a lot of people stuck up for us and, and helped us. And yeah, it did uh, hold up the slack for a few minutes, but it was, uh, it was just one of those situations where it really wasn't, it wasn't really even close to a crossfire, but the way the rules written, there's a, a lot of gray area and how the flaggers interpret that rule, especially the ones that aren't uh, as team roper savvy. So, so initially, it's, it's was it? There's just a lot of gray area. Right. So initially, was it called a crossfire by the flagger that was flagging, or was it legal initially? And then the second opinion no. guy said it was a well, it was a crossfire. It it was flagged clean, and then. I happened to just coincidentally walk over and sit on the sidelines, not far behind the flagger. And about a, one or two teams later, I saw the guy that was on the ground go and talk to the flagger and they kind of talked back and forth. And the next thing you know, he flagged it as a crossfire, you know, he radioed in and they called us out as a no time. So it was definitely after the fact, um, the flagger did not flag it out. Um, for the time being, he he actually flagged it clean. And I'm sure Cody Snow and, and it, kept his composure. If you really want to hear right. <laughs> <laughs> I told uh, after after the Colorado Springs deal, I told Cody it was his turn. I was I was going to let the dog off the leash. He could have at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, let the red hair he, come uh, out. I I was going to take a break, but uh, it it was it was it was just a it was a strange deal even watching the video the the one that was on the ground he didn't have a clear he couldn't even have seen he the flagger with the flag horse was actually blocking his view of what was even going on in the run so he didn't have a good angle so the the second judge is provide like the goal with two judges in the team roping is to get just two eyes on the same shot and he was kind of where the header like header box or header lane would be at Pendleton but in almost in the same spot as where like the barrier judges are going to be at is that where he was at yeah he was technically close to the line judge but maybe even he was maybe even in between the line judge and the flagger so when the run happened like as the steer step left header turned in the flagger blocked his view almost completely right yeah okay so man what what's hard about this i think is it's one thing to get flagged out for crossfire as the run happens because it's like the same thing you got a bad head catch you something goes wrong and you you cannot it's not a legal run it happens right then and so i think where the big like up well that where everyone got upset was they didn't really even tell you guys. And then it's like four runs afterwards, you find out you're, you're flagged out for a crossfire. Right. Is that kind of, that was a lot of it too. Right. And then obviously it wasn't the right call, but. Yes. Yeah. It was definitely after the fact, uh, three, at least three or four runs. So it, it like the, with having the second judge, does he get to overrule? I mean, in this situation, he basically overruled the flagger, right? And so is that the purpose of him, or is he to kind of like almost give a second opinion to the flagger and not be? He's, he's supposed to give a second opinion to the flagger, and then they're supposed to both agree. And the flagger technically just went back on what he said. Whenever the second opinion was given, he just decided that oh well 
I guess I thought it was too. And so I'll, you know, I'll flag them out. It kind of seems like you took the easy way out a little bit. Like, well, I'll just, yeah, that sounds good to me. Like, let's just roll with it. Definitely. Yeah. He definitely agreed with the second opinion pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times too, when, when guys get flagged out for crossfire, um, at least from like my experience, I've never personally been flagged out for crossfire, Wesley, just so you know, um, I think I've healed it two PR three PRCA rodeos. Not one time have I even been close to getting flagged out for crossfire. I, I saw but, one of them. Yeah. You, you know, at least the third jump, like I'm making sure they're legal for, for a few hops. Uh, But no, man, something kind of awkward, right? Like when it's like the steer slipping or like you also see like horses um, maybe not all the way around the turn and they're kind of throwing like the healers are kind of like pulling a shot off. Those get flagged out. And it's like sometimes how it's presented is maybe not it it, like something funky happens. And then the flagger, I think they kind of see it and they're like, oh, and I know it even happens at jackpots, too. You'll see guys that'll like they'll kind of be in a normal deal. And then one guy will just fire it really fast. And, and that hadn't been happening, especially like in not quite the opens, but the like probably like the 13s down. And you see a guy like take one really fast and you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And then they might get a, a bad call or, or, or it's a tougher call because it's not expected. And I think that's where you really catch judges off, you know, um, kind of off guard, really. So, Wesley. Yeah, so my, my argument to the judges have been. You're good. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know if y'all froze or if. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're good. good. Go right ahead. Okay. No, I was just saying my argument to the judges have been that you know as team ropes progress, the headers have gotten so good with the rope that they can they can handle the steers you know so much better. There's not as much of a switch anymore. I mean, there's they roll them, you know, that's the way you can be the fastest. And, um, sometimes if the steers roll like the fresh Mexican or something will roll and then they'll, they'll swing their hips afterwards. And I don't think they've really figured out how to judge that accordingly. Yeah, I, but, I agree completely, but like, especially it's, it's in the that, headers that just progressed. Right. And in that instance, like at Pendleton, the run happens so much slower in the corner anyway, because you can't just, your header can't just throw and duck out or else you're going to wipe out. So a lot of times at Pendleton, you see a lot of corners that take a long time. The steer goes down the arena, several jumps and like they almost never really have a definitive corner because just the way the run has to set up on the grass, you know, and like it's a different run at Pendleton than it is anywhere else. I mean, do, do you agree with that a little bit or no? Yeah, you definitely have to, you know, you definitely see the headers, you know, picking their horse up more than anywhere else too. I mean, they're, like you said, they're not going to, they're not going to duck or or they're going to fall down. So it's, uh, they round them out, you know, so much, they round the corner out. So there's not a a switch um, per se. So the, it's, it's more of a roll. So the healers are, you know, they're just rolling pretty soft around the turn. The healer can tee off on them. Yeah. So it's just. I think it just hasn't been learned how to how to judge that. And it almost feels like it's easier to throw. It's almost safer in a way to throw right there when the steer is going slow because you're not really making the turn yet at Pendleton. Like, it's so hard to not throw fast there because of the – like, if your header does set him up and roll him, it's like, okay, well, 
you're already kind of puckered up anyway because you're on grass and you're not trying to wipe out, you know. And so it, it's so hard to hold on to the rope. Yeah. Like, it's just a totally different run than anywhere else you see. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, it's it's pretty important to haze and hold the steer up so that you're already kind of up there. And then if you don't throw, you're going to have to, your horse is going to have to accelerate through the turn. And it's, a, it's you know, not a lot of footing there. So it's like you are in a spot to where it's probably the easiest place to put it down without having to go through a lot of reaction after the fact. Yeah, and, and not put yourself at the, or I guess put yourself at the least amount of risk possible, really. Yeah, and and that's what kind of sucks is there's there's a sure. controversial call over there all the time. Like it was Max Cutler and Brett Newman a few years ago to win a day money, I believe. For, for to, It was a good run, and and no one really thinks it's crossfire. And I think this is, this is kind of the biggest challenge of this is how uh, – how the communication goes, what the judges are looking for. And, and I think the, the key is kind of the, the dialogue needs to, to be there. But what kind of bothers me about the whole thing is they're not using cameras to, to go back and look at runs. Um, it's like, hey, what did you see? And then how angles really do, do change a lot of this. But, you know, Wesley, we, we, we can't just talk about all, all your controversial, uh, <laughs> you know, is it crossfire, is it not crossfire stuff? You got, you got a lot of stuff going on, man. And, like, one, one thing that I thought was really cool this year, you did the NFR, but you also had a booth for Equine Exchange. So tell me a little bit about Equine Exchange, but what was that also like trying to – to compete at the biggest rodeo of the year, um, you know, obviously you're trying to rope for a world title, and then you've got this new business that you're starting up, and you got that rolling. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, it was I was tired by the by the end of the week for sure, but uh, um, I've kind of you know starting it. I started you know last well, we've been working on a couple of years, but we launched in the fall, and so it's like I've gotten to. I try to prioritize, you know, prioritize my day the best I can to where whatever I'm doing at the time, I can focus on what I'm doing. And I try to, you know, put all 100% into whatever it is at that time. So um, I really tried to prepare myself before the finals, you know, practicing at home to really focus uh, to where, you know, whenever it was time to warm my horse up, time to swing my rope, time to get ready for the rodeo, I was focused 100%. And then even after, you know, whether I was watching my videos or my run or studying what my game plan was, I really tried to focus and stay, uh, you know, 100% on whatever I was doing that way. But then whenever, you know, whenever I woke up in the mornings, it was, you know, I ate, I ate breakfast with the family and then I went to the went to the booth and I tried to give 100% of my effort into, you know, equine exchange and the booth and, and talking to people and um, networking that as well. So the main thing was just, I just tried to, you know, give it a hundred percent, whatever I was doing at that time. And then, uh, you know, not try to go halfway one, one or the other. So I just try to focus my attention the best I could to each one. You get, you got some hustle and try to you. I, I really do appreciate <laughs> that about you, man. Yeah. I, it's pretty cool to see, um, for sure. You know, obviously from your first NFR till now, you know, what's been the biggest improvement you think you've made in your, in your, like that's helped your roping out. Uh, learning how to evaluate, like self-evaluate everything, uh, was probably be the biggest key factor for me. Um, knowing, like being able to evaluate what went wrong, whether it's poor steer, uh, you know, swing angle, how I practiced that week, why I didn't do well. And it's like, I feel so much more at peace now with my roping, uh, after I, you know, jackpot rodeo, um, 
I can I can evaluate it first instead of get upset um, or mad. And it just seems like the roller coaster isn't near as high or low anymore. Um, it's just a lot easier for me to stay focused on what I'm what I'm working on or working towards because you know learn how to evaluate it and on what part of the plan didn't work versus experimenting or um, straying away from a game plan or so on and so forth. So it's uh, that's probably the the most you know beneficial thing for me over my my career. Right, and and do you think that's what like makes a winner? You know, the ability to self evaluate and how they prepare uh, prepare themselves for competition because you've you've won essentially every I mean, level. But I think you know you, you probably got them at a few junior rodeos when you're first, you know, you're pretty, a, a younger a younger yeah. you to you know you you just seem to every time you take the next step you would you'd have big wins and and you've been able to compete without really huge setbacks that take years of time to figure it out. Yeah, I think at every, uh, you know, being able to evaluate yourself at every step that you're at is is super important because that's how you learn. Um, you know, that's that's really how you learn and, and make progress. And, uh, you know, it's easier to get out of the slumps that way. And uh, for me, that's just something I've tried to do since I was young is be able to understand why it worked or why it didn't. So uh, for me, that's it's a big part of my routine and what I do is understanding you know why things are going good uh when they are and understanding why they're going bad when they are and uh you know there's a a fine line of of self-confidence and then being you know you know being positive and then also being real with yourself so it's like i try to balance that as take the positives of everything uh that's going on but then there are times where you have to be you know look yourself in the mirror and be be real too you know you can't be uh you know it's got to be you got to be real with yourself at the same time, but uh, you also just have, you know, for me, I just have to to take the positive out of the situation, but then be able to evaluate what's what's going good or bad. Like, you know, speaking of winning, you know, 2019, you won the world title and you won the average out there. What's it been like? What's your life been like since winning that world that world championship? And is there any, any more pressure now that you feel on yourself or that you put on yourself since you are world champion now, or or, or is that just kind of in the past and we're looking at the future now? Uh, I went through a slump pretty pretty shortly after winning the world title, uh, not necessarily with my roping, but just. I, I did try to put too much pressure on myself and I tried to hold myself to a certain standard and certain things and didn't ex- accept anything other than, you know, roping my best and so on and so forth. And I felt like it really held me back because I was always trying to compare to something. Uh, you know, I was, con- I was trying to consider, you know, compare myself to, to a different time. And it's like, for me, I had to start thinking about, you know, what my goals were, uh, in the long run and start looking and looking ahead, looking in the future and, um, take a step back really. And, uh, after that, it, it was, it kind of gave me a lot more peace of mind. Um, but since, since when in the world, it, it kind of, it gave me a sense of accomplishment to where I didn't feel like I had as much to prove, but then it also motivated me to get further down the road of what I did want to accomplish. So, um, Short term, right after I definitely did uh, put too much pressure on myself, then I had to realize and look at it as, hey, it's, you know, I'm in it for the long haul and it's a long, 
long road. Um, you know, I, I just can't function that way. Uh, and, and feel like I can, um, you know, reach my full potential thinking like that. It's just, it's maybe not a healthy way of being, but would you agree with that a little bit? Like just putting that much weight of the world on your shoulders <laughs> after winning the world title. I mean, it's just, it's not sustainable, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and, no, it's, 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 uh, a mind game every day. If you, yeah. If you put that much pressure on yourself, it's, it just, it doesn't allow you to, to really focus on growth really for me. It seemed like it just held me back on, on what I was wanting to accomplish more than it did, um, you know, get the results that I was chasing. Right. And how old were you when you won that, the gold buckle that year in 2019? Uh, I'd have been 23. 23 and a world champion. That's extremely young. I mean, and there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of maturity that happens after that. Would you, is that kind of what your experience is like too? That's just based off your answers, what you've kind of said, there's been a lot of growing up that, you know, and not that you were, you've never been immature. That's not at all, but just, there's just a lot of stuff that happens that, you know, makes you grow up in a hurry after, after that experience. Yes. I mean, for me, it was, uh, it, it, it was in a sense of achievement, but then it also, it did make me want to, I guess it, it made me want to, uh, like, cut short my long-term goal, you know, like my goals that I was chasing, it made me think, Oh, I'm, I'm ahead. Like I'm going, I'm ahead of what I'm trying to, to do. And then it started spinning my wheels and I wasn't checking, you know, certain things at, at certain times that I, I needed to do. So it made me think too far ahead and therefore it, that's why it held me back. So, um, I think in reality, I, I just, I had to slow down after that and think, Hey, this is a, a long road and, and uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not quitting in two years or five years, you know, so it's, um, I've got to stay the course just like my plan originally and, and not get too far ahead of myself. Yeah. So when you talk about that, um, staying the plan and the course, I think there's a lot of times where you see guys that when they do win, they kind of take it for granted and they, they don't appreciate how hard it is to, to actually get something like that. Is that something that you think, uh, how do you handle the, like the losing? Like when you don't reach a goal or something, like what does your mentality, how do you shift towards that? Like, uh, on a big goal, for example, like, you know, like this year was, you guys had a, a nice NFR, but obviously you're roping for world titles. So how do you look at it going into the next year? Is that something you in that self-evaluation process, what are some of the moves you try to make personally? Um, so like when I, when I look at it as if I feel like I put a hundred percent of my effort into something and prepared for it and felt confident in the, in the process that I took and was focused and, and it didn't go as good as expected, but it, it went okay. I'm not upset at myself, but if I feel like I cut some corners or didn't put uh, all the effort I wanted into something and didn't get the results, then I just have to, I evaluate it as, you know, I didn't, 
didn't put the time and effort needed and that's where I'm going to put more more time into uh, the next time around and I felt like this year for me I mean I was it was hard to get good quality you know Mexicans um, to practice on like normal and I've always done that um, and I kind of cut corners and I had you know not saying we didn't have good practice tiers but it, they weren't the same and so next time I just feel like that's something I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to cut that corner. I mean, I'm going to, you know, you buy 50 steers and that's just what you do. And, and you trial and error. And if, if you, uh, it's never, it's, it, it's never felt like if our run was great at home, leaving home, it, it went good out there. If our run was average at home or below average at home, it, it went that way out there. And it's like the pressure isn't as much of a thing, you know, we don't really get caught up in the pressure. It's, it's how you prepare, um, for me. And I think even as a team, so it's, I think it's that that's where we didn't do well enough this year preparing, um, before we went out there, we didn't make as many full contact runs. Uh, and I just, I think that was, you know, I think, I think that's what made a, a difference. You know, when you want to talk us. about like team roping for a living and being a, being a guy like, well, hey, I always want to make the NFR. Well, yeah, we make the NFR by half a load of steers, yeah. half a semi load of steers <laughs> that are costing seven hundred and fifty a piece, just just yeah. so you can get the the yeah. right kind of practice. Like it, it takes some commitment to to do it. And and you know, like we we're able to we video you guys' practice a lot. And and I think the the biggest difference is natives were up the same as um, M brand steers, but they change really fast. Native cattle do where M brands. They, how they hit and open up and heel is a little truer, but they don't get as tired. And they're, you know, there's, there's just a different steer, but from run to run, they stay more consistent too. And so that's why they, you know, you, and, and they're hard to get. And that's, yeah. it makes it pretty expensive. But sure. hey, hey, man, what about that uh, sweet blue cap right there? Is that a, that, did you mean to get that RPX uh, hat matching the blue shirt today? Is that, was that, you RPX know? is the title sponsor yeah, of today's show. He planned. knew that. Yeah, that's right. I've been no, I've been I've been sporting this cap for a couple of weeks now, so I figured that uh, that is kind of my go-to in the mornings here lately. So I figured yeah. besides gonna be on the show, I'd just keep it going. Yeah. Shout out to RPX supplementing the American Cowboy that's and right. and uh, and Wesley Thorpe. Yeah, and shading shading their head a little bit yeah, too with right. a nice little ball cap. Yeah. Talk to a little bit about RPX, Wesley. What uh, they've been a great sponsor of yours for a couple of years now. What's your experience been like with them? Yes, I have. Um, I've built a great relationship with uh, Rob and their RPX over the last couple of years and gotten to know them really well. And uh, it's been a great fit for me with all I have going, especially with the, it's like Pace said, you know, earlier, you know, going to the booth every day for 10 days, uh, be able to have, you know, the energy I need to get through the day. Um, it's definitely the zings, the first part, part of my day. So um, it's super beneficial for long trips and early mornings, long days. Um, it's just kind of a part, part of my routine. Nice. Um, man, last question before we let you go, obviously uh, you, you placed at the clay Logan open last weekend, right? With, with Jake Orman, you guys went fifth. Is that, is that what you won? Yes. One fifth. Okay. So with these ropings like that, that open where you get to pick one, draw one, and then you can pick an additional partner. How important is it, uh, from, going from like that, that stage of trying to get 
to where you're you're an NFR qualifier and like one of the guys, you know, like that that top tier of guys that are, you know, where where you kind of been able to be at these last few years as far as winning goes. Um, being able to draw, how does that influence it? And then also, you know, from from when you first were able to get in some of those jackpots, do you remember what that was like to now, like when able you to be an NFR guy, like like you have, and then to get a partner like Jake and, and those guys get chances to, to rope with you and, and how that it's able to, to get some kind of new blood in there. Yeah, I think the draw is a, a good fit. Um, you know, especially for just like you said, like used to, whenever I was starting to go to the open opens, like maybe I couldn't get the top tier guys, but it allowed me to enter with somebody that I had a good chance with, and then I could draw at the the top level guys. And uh, I mean, I think that makes it a good fit for, you know, get some more teams, extra teams, guys will go put their money up to have a chance at that. Um, as far as on the drawing side, like I got pretty lucky this year because, I mean, like I get to watch Jake at the rodeos and jackpots. And so I've seen him rope a lot and, he he does a really good job. He's gotten where he jackpots really well. He's he's gotten he's done well at the rodeos the last couple of years, and the jackpot is getting pretty good, too. So um, definitely gave us a, a chance to be able to do do well that day. But uh, I think it's a good fit for the open ropings just to be able to have a chance um, to rope with guys that, that you might not get to. You know, someone that has a nine to five job or can't go as much as they want, but still ropes good and competes. They can go enter with someone they have a chance with, but then have a shot to draw one of the top guys. So I think it makes for interesting watching and um, a good fit to be able to, you know, bring value and get, get a few more teams. Yeah. And Wesley, you were over there uh, riding your sorrel horse. Talk a little bit about that horse. And then like, then you were up at San Antonio that night too, if I'm, if I don't remember correctly, but uh, you know, you had your sorrel at the jackpot and then rode your black horse at the, at the San Antonio at the rodeo. What, what just talk about your horsepower a little bit and how important that is for you. You know, um, that the sorrel horse I got last spring and then rode him a lot. Uh, I rode him a lot all summer and, and kind of, he kind of took over my black spot, um, for a lot of places, but then now I've, I've gotten to where I kind of bounce back and forth at the indoor rodeos. I've been riding the black and sorrel at, uh, you know, a lot of the big jackpots and, and outside and stuff, but, uh, it, it makes a huge difference just being able to have the confidence in one that's uh, know what they're going to do over time and be able to keep up with the run. Cause I mean, these open are open pace and, uh, you know, you got to make really good runs on the good steers and then you got to make, uh, you know, you got to make good runs on, on bad steers through throughout the day, throughout the day. So it's uh, the horsepower having something, you know, that's got, all the ability. I mean, it, it makes, you know, all the difference in the world really for as, as tough as the quality of your opens are nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Pace, With, anything else you want to add to me? Wesley, uh, you've, you've answered it all. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, once again, your equine exchange app, um, I, I encourage people to check that out. What you've been able to do with your roping, your business, you know, obviously you're available for lessons. So, uh, you know, that you're, you're one of the guys that's really stepped up well, but you've, you've hustled and it's kind of, it's been unique to see because man, you, you know, you started out and it, you just started out first NFR on a, on a roan horse that was 
probably barely good enough and he did a lot for you to where you're at now right. it's, it's been cool to watch man i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm proud of you and it's uh, it's pretty uh been pretty special really so thanks again for coming on man you bet thank you guys for having me i enjoyed it appreciate it you bet wesley be uh be careful this year and good luck and was she the best? Yeah, don't don't be getting on any uh, talk shows and driving while you're FaceTiming. That's dangerous. We'll have to hire you. We'll have to hire you a driver next time. Yeah, uh, allegedly, allegedly, uh, allegedly, you might might have been driving <laughs> while right. doing this, but we're not 100 percent sure. So. Circle in the parking lot. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks again. <laughs> you bet. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, well, we're going to get to a short break. You know, this RPX episode, uh, obviously, Wesley Thorpe, and to, to have him come on, it's it's pretty cool to, to be able to see what he's doing. So Yeah, for sure. Go check him out, RPX. They, uh, they've been a big sponsor of our show, and we like to help out people that help us out and promote them as well. So check them out. Perfect. We'll be right back. RPX Enterprises, specializing in supplementing the American cowboy. Everything from energy to joint pain to general health and wellness. All right, I know this is an easy company for us to get behind, Dustin, because you've told me a little bit about uh, taking some of the supplements to help out your shoulders. So what, what was your experience like with RPX? It was great. I, I took RPX when I started to have shoulder problems again, and I literally changed nothing with diet, exercise, anything like that. I just took the products, and it really helped my shoulder. I went from not being able to rope very many steers to I could practice all day long and have very little to no pain in my shoulder at all. And I know a lot of ropers have shoulder pain is a pretty common problem for a lot of ropers. So it'd be, be cool to go check them out and see what they're all about. Yeah, that's uh, myzingular.com for more information and to order your products. That's M-Y-X-Y-N-G-U-L-A-R.com, myzingular.com. We really uh, do appreciate working with these companies, and if you support them, that helps us uh, keep growing and keep doing what we want to do with this. All right, well, we're back from break. This is obviously the RPX show, presented to you by RPX show from the XFTR show. That, that's, is that the correct way we'd, we'd put this all down? We can roll with it. Yeah, I like it. All right, well, this guest uh, is going to be a two-time NFR qualifier, average champion, American champion, and he's also been flagged out for crossfire a couple of times, which, <laughs> by the way, I, I still have not. Uh, we had Wesley Thorpe on a little bit earlier. I, I let Wesley and all the healers know uh, I, I have zero times been flagged out for crossfire in my entire life. So, Peyton, welcome on the show, man. I, I know we're, I like to talk a little bit of trash, but appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you. You know, every human head and every header can heal, so I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right oh yeah I'm, I'm sure like uh pace and eric rogers that those two guys i think we should do a whole podcast where we just talk about healing i think uh i think that would be a pretty floating interesting it? one floating it about how to float 101 well no it's it's the difference between yep. the float and the hanger float you guys floats for amateurs <laughs> hangers for professionals yeah you know that's that's you that's gotta level you, stuff. You, you gotta know the difference um, well, Peyton, all right. So this is kind of the first thing we wanted to do. Um, you know, you had a couple shots that one from the NFR that got flagged out for crossfire and then also, um, San Antonio the other day. And so what we kind of wanted to do, uh, I know we, we kind of pulled up the rule book. Um, so we wanted to talk about the, the actual 
PRCA crossfire rule as it reads. So, Dustin, you got that kind of handy? Yeah, let's look at it real quick. Okay, so in the in the rule book, it reads uh, crossfire definition, page two twenty five, R 3 Throwing heel loop, the direction of the steer's body must be changed before the heel loop can be thrown. However, if the steer stops, it must be only moving forward for the heel loop to be legal. Any heel loop thrown before the completion of the initial, initial switch will be considered a crossfire and a no time will be recorded. Throw definition is propel something with force through the air by a movement of the hand and the arm. So the, those are the kind of the two things that I wanted to point out with this, right, was the definition of the crossfire rule, which is a direction change. And the the important word, I think, in there is throw. Yep. So to me, you're throwing your rope as soon as it leaves your hand. That is when, the, like, it has been thrown, right? Like, that is when the, I, I would say, the transition is, is that kind of, would everyone agree upon those those things right there? I would agree. So, I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah, it depends on which judge you ask, too. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the other thing, too, is what is change in direction. Right. Right. So, I, I don't really know the, like, that. I think that's the definition that gets loosely interpreted. So, we, we have like throw, like when you release your rope, like that's pretty obvious. But the change in direction. And, and I think that's kind of the thing that is going to be the, the, the big deal. So, um, anyways, Peyton, I, I kind of wanted, before we get, we really got going on some of this stuff, I wanted to, to kind of have those couple things out there for, for everyone to, to kind of understand. So kind of my first question for you, man, is as, as a healer, when you're presenting these shots and you, and you're trying to, to heal as fast as possible and these steers open up, what makes the presentation to the flagger? poor sometimes and what makes it really good sometimes in the sense poor meaning you get flagged out for crossfire maybe it wasn't a crossfire that does get flagged out and then also sometimes guys do crossfire and they don't get flagged out and and, and i think that's how they present the shot right 100 percent. you know i think there's a couple key factors one i want to say it's uh i think all in your positioning down the arena and you know sometimes you can crossfire and make it look good and then sometimes you cannot crossfire and just be on the inside where the flagger can't really see you and just makes it maybe make it in their eyes or how the steer switches whatever that's the thing too is how the steer hits because not every steer is going to hit the same but some steers hit slow and they hang some hit fast and they come out of it and some they hit hard where it might be a little exaggerated and honestly too a lot of it like usually i preach it's kind of funny usually i preach about like did a lot of videos with you guys about upper body, squaring your shoulders to the target and being ready to throw to where whenever the steer gets legal, only if the do is like the, like the rule book says throw. So when they're legal, only if the do is just throw your rope out of your hand because you're already ready to throw. Well, in the case of this, you know, if your body's not in position, you have to open your swing up, open your shoulders up, change your swing to the lift to be able to throw fast. I think that's a really big tale too. Because the guys that open their swing up, make a big exaggerated delivery, I think that's really like a big, you know, that, that'll really tell on a guy. Yeah, it kind of, it creates, when you have that, like you telegraph it a little bit, it creates it to where 
there might be more separation or like it's just a little like it, it's not um, a normal looking rodeo shot. Like it's a little bit different on how the heel rope from the time it's, they kind of start into that delivery to, to when they're healing them. The setup is just different from a like a real good first hop shot. Right. So it kind of already looks a little bit different. And so if it's something where a flagger might be looking for it, they could, they, you know, they could already start assuming that that, you know, that that could be the tipping point, I guess, would be a better way to phrase that right for a crossfire. 100 percent. All right, so this is kind of cool. Uh, what we decided to do, um, we've been doing two different things. One is the XFR show, and this is it. This is the show. You're watching uh, it right yeah. now. You're, Aiden, you're <clears throat> in Thanks it. for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> live. <laughs> Allegedly live. Allegedly one the, maybe live. one of these times we'll be comfortable live, but uh, you, you see, you've seen why we're not going live with the 28 <laughs> links we had to send you to get you connected on here. But uh, no, and so the other part of it is the rundown, and that's where we actually like get into like instructional videos, and we dive into practice runs to competition runs. So um, this is what I thought we'd kind of incorporate it. Um, we're going to go through these first few runs right here. So if we'll pull those up on the screen, we could watch uh, you know your videos from or your video from the NFR, and then also from San Antonio. So we're able to do that, and both of these shots. This is uh, round eight, correct? Uh, from the NFR, nine. round round nine. Yes, sir. Round nine from the NFR. Sorry, and that one was flagged out for crossfire, as well as this one from San Antonio. So, what we wanted to talk about with these, we just I thought we'd kind of go from the this first shot at the NFR right here. So, if Peyton, take me through this run. What what steer is this? And kind of give me the situation and then, you know, what, what kind of went into what, you know, break this shot down for me. Well, this uh, Coleman Proctor and Logan Mellon had previously run this steer. And I think Logan roped great all week, but I think this is one of the steers he had a little tough luck on. But this steer, when Logan run him, wanted to, he wanted to be just a hair left. But when Logan got around him, the steer kind of hit his rear end. And it, Logan got a little by him, and he, he kind of lost sight of him. And, he, and when you lose sight of one going that fast, it's pretty hard to get make up for it. So, But Logan ended up having bad luck and missing him. But So I watched the video on him, and I'm thinking, all right. So how he hits, he's kind of real exaggerated in the hind end because he wanted to hit out, and then he kind of wanted to come back in. So I told myself, I'm just like, you're going to have to be good and aggressive, and he's a good speed, but I don't want to get caught getting by on this year because how he hits – he could really swing his rear end the other way and make it for almost, you know, a right leg or a no time. So, and then the, in that arena too, I was pretty green going into it. I've never really roped the NFR at, at Thomas and Mac, but going into it, man, it happens so fast. And no matter, the hardest thing about that arena for me was no matter where the steers were, where you were, you have to throw. There's no second guess and you can't go to the second hop. You can't go to the third. You have to get ready down the arena, and whenever you see it, you got to take it. And so that was that was another thing. So basically, the, the mindset doesn't really change. I just told myself to make sure I got in a good spot, stayed on the left hip, and really made sure I was in a good spot to where when he opened up, I could have somewhere to throw my rope, and I wanted to really see the steer through the hole for me. Okay. So in your mind right here, <clears throat> we're going to go to the point where this this head rope comes on. And you can kind of see the steer starts to lower his head and almost like, like you're talking, like kind of want to get funky 
to where that that role is is hard to to ride. Like you can almost see it where, you know, you could get by or that steer kind of hiding his butt. So, take me through like what what you see and right here from the time this head rope's going on, and then um, you know, and then take me. Do you do you think this shot is legal or where where do you think this first hop is on this steer? Well, I'll be the first to tell you. You know, this was a tough call. And, you know, there's people got their own opinions. That's, that's one thing with Crossfire. It's it's so, it's not like there's a black and white line. You can't really, you know, it's, some people are going to sound, it's going to look legal. Some people it's not. And I think I think at the time you watch it, your first instinct can go either way. I mean, you know, it's different angles. It looks better. Different angles, it looks worse. But to me, the straight on view is the view that the pure state does not have. And that's the hardest call to make to me because where the judge is at, he cannot see the steer or he can barely see when I'm throwing it because he's dead in behind me. So, but on this steer, I think it's more so how the steer hits. And this steer, he followed and hit there, right here. He hit right there. And then I'm bringing it on the next jump. And for me, the reason why I personally think it's not a crossfire is because right there, my rope just left the hand. And for, to me, the steer is going straight across the arena, pulled by Eric. And right there, how he opened up, you, I, if I would have healed him the jump before, I think it could have been a crossfire. But I think it, how the steer hit so funky and how he hit hard, the next jump when he opened up, I mean, it was instantly when he was legal, the rope, I had rope on the ground, and he just, and he hopped, and he kind of hit wild, and he halfway swung into it, but I halfway had rope on both sides, started waiting on him. And my horse is stopping square, the runs still had happened good, finishes clean and the line on the steers back and the horse I mean, right there they're 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 dead in behind each other and then kind of how he kind of swung because he wanted to hide his butt and rogers got a hold of him in the court rope made him really cool but i mean from that angle it looks it looks like it's pretty clean yeah you call it either way but from behind you know i'm not sure what he could see right there but it could be pretty questionable so what i see is at this point, you know, it, it's so hard when you break it down, right? But when he's still, like, coming over himself, right, a little bit because of that angle, the mm -hmm. header has to come up the arena so much. Where that steer checked down, right. that just slowed up all of the momentum. So taking the steer's head away from mm -hmm. him already is going to be harder. Like, it, it slows it down. So, like, that's kind of what I see from, the like, the header's perspective. and And then it's a big, like, a big hit. You see how his like right leg and everything kind of comes out because um, mm -hmm. that's you just having to come back hit, on him steer, so hard. Yeah, the steer hit twice. Honestly, if you want to watch it, like he yeah. kind of hit and then <clears> hit again. And and I think that's what cost you getting called out here is the steer hit twice in the turn, where if he hits mm -hmm. and opens up and comes out of it when you're throwing, it's not a crossfire. Yeah, but right there yeah. he hit and then hit again swinging into your loop and it and it right. just it made it look worse than what it probably was like once you do slow it down in slow motion right. i see the points that that yeah. you're making you know but i think right here this is the steer hitting the first time right here with his legs on the ground and then you're bringing it it's still in your hand here but if you go forward to the next frame a little bit more. Okay, now your loop's on the ground. The steer's feet are still on the ground. But then this next hop, I think, is what costs you. Right there. 
mm-hmm. this deer, his yep. hips come this way. Another, mm-hmm. that did probably not even that far, like maybe one to two feet. Peyton, would you, I mean, you were there, you had the best seat in the house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no, for sure. He, how, how he hit it, it made it really exaggerated on, on, on the, on the run right there. 100%. Right. But like you talked about earlier, you take another swing. Rogers is over here in yeah, the wall I mean, already. I was, I was gonna, you know, so like you go one more swing, you, you're what? forfeiting all day money efforts at that point, and you're in round nine, correct? So, and you're trying to win a gold buckle. Yes, you need to place in the round. That was that was the situation yeah. you were in. And yeah. and you watched too, and I didn't really get to really get to. I've never really seen it before, but the hot before I healed him, like or the hot, like the hot before wasn't no good and the hop after when i threw it wasn't no good either like it's honestly amazing i even roped him because like from there to there like look how his hops just change thing just opens up and then he just like crosses over right so to me if you'll back it up a little bit this is what i see is the problem so if you pause it right now the flagger he's here he started He's just now riding forward. He was about right there where the small circle's at. Now, if you'll go forward right now, look at his eyesight. His eyesight is coming right here, and I'm not going to say he can or cannot see the steer's feet, but it's close, and I think we would Mm -hmm. all probably agree with that. I mean, this is his vision sight right here. So this is what causes this whole deal. He needs to be right here. Then he's got this angle to see and look this clear path to the cow. But when you don't get in that spot, it's hard to see. And (laughs) you can't make a call on something you can't see. You You know what I mean? And it happens in 3.9 seconds from the time the the necro pops to the time it's over. So that is my whole issue with the whole deal. Crossfire or not, it's it's a... judgment call at the end of the day and it's never going to be a hundred percent right or wrong i don't think but i think there's no two things one there has to be a line drawn in the sand and all we're asking for as contestants is consistency with that call and i think i think if it's consistent you have less less problems you have less conversations like these because of it these shots are hard, man. These are this is really hard stuff. So what I thought was, well, we did an extractor video shoot of the NFR practice session. Let's talk about when steers are legal. So we've got our slow motion cameras, and we could actually get like, hey, when does this steer? When is he legal? And we, you know, could you know offer that up. So this is a run right here. Um, as it comes back in slow motion, guys, let's uh, let's tell me when you think this steer is legal, and uh, I will get it right here where this. His head, um, Eric starts to get the steer's head. And you guys just kind of tell me each, Peyton, I'd like to start with you. you. Tell me when you think this one is legal, and then we'll kind of go into it as as of why. Perfect. I think this jump right. I'm going to say the one I actually roped on right there. That was really legal. Okay. Dustin, you agree that's first hop shot? I would agree. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, 
Will you take me through why? Like, wh- is it because he's that? What is what the hips are doing? Yeah. So I think it's. It, I mean, I'll give my thoughts, and Peyton, you can tell me what you think. But right here, the steer is going down the arena, down the arena, and then he squares right there. That's the first time his feet mm-hmm. have come off the ground, where now the steer is being pulled across the arena. And that's why I think that is the first legal hop for that steer. Peyton, what do you watch for? Yeah. Like, um, is that, is that what you, you know, when you're looking for this shot, what are you looking for there? And, you know, to clear and where it presents it as a legal heel shot to you. Well, like same thing that Dustin said, you know, your, your job is to get, in position down the arena with your body and your horse to set yourself up to when you feel that the jump is legal and you feel the run come together throw whenever you want to and that's exactly that's a good example right there that steer was a really good steer he found it off and say what too kind of going back is i broke i got the you know i'm lucky enough to go with eric for the last three years now going on four and i got a really good feel for what eric does in a run and he's got a feel for where I'm at in the arena. And our chemistry, I feel like I have really a lot of confidence in it because Eric can feel me sometimes, you know, maybe be far away and then hold one up, like in a jackpot or something. Or, like, you know, he's just got such a freakish talent of knowing when to pull one and open one up where it makes me look really good. And, you know, him having such good control, like I know, like, right there, you know, I'm in a good spot. And then you set yourself up, honestly, like, before it even happens to where it's like okay good all right next next talk you got it and then when he opens up almost slow it down your head and then you can just count the steps out as you go and then that's where you have a nice finish and everything flows but a lot of confidence in your header of knowing where to be at is crucial and honestly that's why this one was so controversial because i'll be honest with you i didn't throw where he was i threw where he was going because i knew exactly when i said checked off I knew where the spot I was in. I knew exactly where he was going, and that obviously, in a way, that didn't help at all on my on my odds up there on getting flagged out because I knew exactly where this was going to be. Yeah, you. I would I would even call it like a head with your rope. Like you're getting your rope down as he's getting ready to to come out of the ground, and then where that yeah. that like the tough pull up the wall at this setup it kind of makes it to where, you know, we've talked about this in quite a few of like the rundowns, but the more you like stop going down the arena as a header, like if you're putting pressure on the horn and take the steer off and you don't step up and out, you you can't pick up their head and then their shoulders and round them off and open them up for a turn where this like where he does step a little bit left, checks off so you don't have momentum. It's going to add that like kind of that steer kind of stopping motion and that keeps sending the hips down the arena. And and really, it makes for a harder heel shot. It's not like this is an easier heel shot than I mean, Crossfire. Yeah, uh, it's an amazing heel shot. <laughs> like I think what Crossfire was originally designed to do was to get that one as they're like swinging into your heel rope. You know, like kind of still going down the arena right. in the sense of like if it were to be like right here, you could start throwing. You know, right when you get that head and you know, and and that's what they're trying to take out with that. Um, so where like this shot, you can see it right here. Like as your rope's starting to make contact, his feet are coming off the ground more. Like 
You know what I mean? Like he's out of it. And that that's probably yeah. the difference really with the like the timing yeah. portion of that too, right? Like one you could see yeah. like you, you got a lot of chemistry like we're talking in, and I think that's where that shows through right there. Right. And like you said though, too, look at the difference in the steers. You know, it's relatively close to the same spot, but not every steer is gonna hit the same that high it gets on that fast, we're going that fast. And them steers the timing of when they get legal is never going to be the same in any type of That's why the, you know, that's why you can't ever line because, you know, maybe they might be legal on a good steer. Yeah, that's first thought. But on another steer, you know, no, that's, that's borderline. You got to wait one more swing just because of how they, it's never, that, that's where, that's where it's always kind of up in the air to make decisions about. Right. Well, man, uh, I, I always like to, to kind of dive into the mental aspect and the situation, you know, um, take me through the, the mindset of that, that ninth round shot at the NFR. Obviously this is back to back years where you're roping for a world title. Um, uh, what, what is your focus? Cause I, I, I know that it didn't go the way you wanted, right? Like this, as we're obviously talking about it and showing it, but I think from a, a, the mental standpoint and the execution, it looks like it was really clean. And and so this is kind of a weird situation where it's like, I, I want to know how you look at it once this run's finished. And then also like going up into it, like what, what were you kind of thinking going into that run and, uh, and, and mentally trying to, to do there to, to handle that moment? Well, honestly, so the first the week started off great. And I hit a rough patch, was, you know, a little, little green, a little unfamiliar with the, that yellow building. I felt like I wasn't even down the arena far enough. Then I made a horse change, and I, I bet I can't fault it at all. He was amazing over there. That's what we talked about it. I thought about starting off on him. I probably should have, but it's kind of hard to ride. You know, your five-year-old, probably your number one for the last whatever, how many years. But it's hard to start off on a five-year-old for all ten rounds. And uh, so at that point, everything was going really smooth, man, you know, at that point, we placed him along, going short for it. Um, and then we were kind of in position where we're like third in the average. You know, and honestly, we kind of started clicking. And honestly, I started just having fun. I just, I kind of quit thinking about everything. You know, I've healed for 23 years and I've done it every day. And, you know, I kind of talked to myself and talked to my buddies. And, you know what? Let's start having fun. As soon as I kind of said that, I started just catching and healing good again. And everything was just like clockwork, like I remembered. And, you know, then after round nine, that every like you said, tough shot, tough call, everything felt great. And that was, I didn't have much of a chance. Junior had such a good year, and he roped so good at the finals, and obviously he earned it. But I, I, he was a little too far ahead of me. But I was really upset because Eric, you know, he roped amazing. He did his job, and I feel like I let him down because that costed him a big chance. You know, if obviously if I. You know, if we don't have a team great, but you know, I want the best for him. And he had a shot at it, and that really shot our chances down after that because that was for that we'd have tied him in the round. That was for 20,000. We were ahead of him, spotting the average. And so if we, it would have been a one header on the round 10. And, you know, who knows the scenarios? You can run 100 foot times, you can run 100 different ways. But I was pretty upset with myself. And, you know, it's just adversity. And like you said, the finals, in different ways. But I was. I was upset for a little while because I just felt like I costed him a chance for another gold bar. Well, and I think was the best header there. I thought, yeah, for sure. And I think like this conversation isn't about 
like you hear guys, you know, some people you see like at, at the numbered ropings, they'll put on Facebook, you know, was this a crossfire and stuff? And like people kind of complain about it and it's a, it's a hot topic to Cross, debate. Crossfire or not. Nah. Or not. Nah. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. uh, but what people don't understand is like in, in the, in the situation at the NFR, like it's, it's bigger than just one steer. Like it's, yeah. If that steer, if you get the call and which I personally, I thought it was a crossfire, but if the call goes your way, Rogers, the whole round 10 changes completely because yeah. you guys go from not yeah. having a chance in round 10 to now you're right in the thick of it. And it, you know, I don't even remember what you did in round 10, but let's just say you go and be, you win second in the round and that changes the average too. And now it's like, okay, mm-hmm. what are we talking about? Eric Rogers as a two-time world champion now, like it changed, like gold yep. buckles changed lives. And I think it's bigger than just one steer. What in moments like the NFR, and like there was a guy that got called out a, a couple years ago at San Antonio. I think uh, Jason Doobie. Yeah, that was a pretty rough call. Yep. And you know, you win San Antonio, you win twenty-five thousand. You put twenty twenty thousand on top of his earnings, he probably makes NFR. That changes that changes mm-hmm. his life. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that completely changes the trajectory yep. of his career, probably. And so, all these are what ifs and woulda, coulda, shouldas. But at the end of the day, it's it's bigger than one steer, and that's why it means this much to you and and people like that that we have these conversations like this. I think it's right. not just lack of better term. We're not just bitching about it. You know. Yeah. So, so Peyton, I, I kind of want to, I, I want to know, like when you heal that steer at the 10th round or the ninth round right there and you're, and you're dallying and, and pulling back on him, is that even in your mind? Like that when you took that shot, it could have been crossfire or no? Well, when he checked off, like you said, it's about momentum. And we talk about momentum a lot on the videos and like with Marty and stuff, when the momentum died, looking back. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. When he checked off, but like you said, though, when he checked off and did his deal, I knew I, I knew where I had to throw. I knew I was only getting about one shot right there. And when I healed him, I was, you know, just in the moment. And then when he did flag me out, I was like, you know, obviously like, damn it. But, you know, I didn't blame the guy. I mean, I was pissed for a little bit, but I didn't really cuss the guy because, you know, that's part of it. But getting a yellow building, having to be three seconds, that's the, that's the shot I had to take. It wasn't like I could go another hop. Next time it's be better. That's what I had to do. That's what I did. And, you know, like I said, 50 50, it could have went one way, it could have went the my way. And it's just kind of nothing you do. You just got to write out the end and carry us all. Yeah, well, but, but you got to. I mean, I wasn't, when I was like, more like, damn it, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh, are you serious? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. right. I, I always go to this Jeter quote, but. Um, it goes something like every everyone wants to hit game winning home runs, but lot you know people are afraid to get in the batter's box and swing and strike out. Right, and I think that it shows with you, Peyton, because I mean, obviously the previous year you healed one to win the world title. Um, it it kind of came down to a tenth round situation, and you healed a really tough steer at, at Dallas. And then this year, I mean, it's it's the same deal. It's a I think it's a really good shot, and so that's that's not the meaning of this. It's kind of like I like to, I, I like to sit, like get to your outlook on it, you know, and and kind of see how how a guy like takes that, and um, you know, and so obviously moving forward, you know, do you think about that like as a healer, how to present those shots, um, 
does it change, you know, when you get one like that? And is that something that you kind of become more conscious of or add that to your practice? Like how you try to get, you said kind of get down the arena and kind of get squared up a little bit more or what do you, you know, what do you do now well, after that? Oh yeah. So, and like you said, we talked about a couple of reasons I get flagged out is one the presentation of it. I think if I could have got down the arena just a little bit higher on that steer, you know, and I played a little bit of defense, you know, Logan got by that steer and had bad luck on him. So I was like telling myself, you know, stay in your spot. You can do it all week. You can't change nothing. But off, I should have went one more down. Rogers had such a short, tight rope. I got one more down. When he did that switch, I've been more around him and over the top of him. And I think it wouldn't have made it look so bad because I had to open my swing up. I didn't really float it, but I just had really good touch my rope. And I put it down where he was. Instead of if I could have got one more down the arena, I could have thrown in the same exact spot, but it would have looked like clean. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. For sure. Well, um, unfortunately, we got another <laughs> another another shot that this I, one's a little more fresh on the memory. Yeah, this one's definitely a little more fresh on the memory. Yep. Here's San Antonio. Um, this one obviously gets flagged out for crossfire too, but uh what what's the situation over here? Um as far as San Antonio, you get to see it in uh, you, everyone advances in sets. So like you, it's like money earned advances to the to the semifinals. Oh, and so you, that, you is, this is your guys' yeah. third. Everyone gets to run three steers, and it's just they pay four in each round. Top three or four money earners, yeah. four. Top four um, Top make it back. Four. Yeah, and we was kind of right in the middle. You know, we placed third in our first steer. Didn't have any luck on our second steer. And this was our third round steer, and we were dang near last. And there was a couple four fours, but honestly, we could have went four or five. I think at the time, a couple four fours. I think it was really nothing. There was two four fours and a four or five. There was only three times, and then we had to, and then there was one more team after us. And honestly, we weren't. I wasn't even really trying to go for the round. It was more so make a good run. But that's what people at home don't really understand is. When you get to the buildings, it's not like you can just catch. It's not like you can go another pop. I mean, you get squared up, take shot. But honestly, if we could have won third or fourth, and we could have made it back to the semifinals. So honestly, our set was a little softer towards the end. And uh, like I said, there was just two four, four second runs and then four or five. I'd to pay four money for punch to go. You can't just lay up and catch. We just was going to make a really good run and see what happened. Because right before I went, Rogers asked, what is there? I said there's two four fours and a four five, and that's all we said. I want to know like what you felt like went really good with this because this is a completely different shot than the one we watched at the, the NFR as far as steer right. strong, might even be a touch right. So take me through this shot. Well, I'm going to go back even farther. So I actually broke these steers in at Manny Agassiz's house, and they've been to one jackpot, and they're fresh. They're Bobby Joe Hills. And our set was a matching black set. Every steer was black. And the first round they were on, there was three. So to me, you got fresh Mexican steers, good quality steers. The last thing you want to do is push them left. Because my first one kind of went left without me trying to. So you want to keep the run really, really straight. And with them being fresh, Eric being such a great header he is, he's not going to do what He's not going to duck. He's going to stay pushed forward and round them off and keep the momentum good. And that's is where... I think some guys do crossfire, like, like we just talked about. So to me, the steer stayed really straight, momentum mashed. Eric got him on a short rope off. And when he rounded him off, I got down the arena, but then I pulled to the inside. The steer is right in front of my horse. Like it was like shooting fish in a barrel in the steer. It just felt so easy. The run slowed down. 
when he left me, I got loop everywhere. I dialed three pulls in my hand. Like right there, that freeze frame. My horse and the steer are perfectly in line. They are he's not swinging. They are dead in behind each other. And the steer was right in front of my horse, right leg. And this is where it just felt. It felt like a great, like we could have made a better run on the steer. Right. And, and that, I think, uh, you watch, like, from the header's perspective, because that's what I'm going to give you the most of, um, just because, you know, I, I, as a healer, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm probably floating it a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I'm hanging the on. Hanger. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting you, I'm getting the header a little closer to that left wall. You know what I'm saying? But um, the difference is this steer's, when he's straight and right, look, Eric, where he can ride, and then he can go, he can pick that steer's head up right there, then the shoulder. Then he opens up the hips, boom, yeah. that's where he hits. And I think that's where those, he's changed directions right there. And he's coming out of it. <laughs> and you like, you almost get him on that. Like, it's like a quick little like corner, you know, like it's like a rounded off corner where they're hitting really fast and they open up and switch. So it's not that hard switch. That's right. where it gets really easy to read. And I think that's yeah. where like you get that little, um, I mean, he might like double hit right there a little bit, but I think that's kind of the goal when you, yeah. when you're really like breaking steers down, you want them strides to like almost shorten up in the turn or in the corner. And then they open up as they, they come out of it. And that's when the direction changed. So I, I, I mean, that's where I go to as a header. I think that's a, a really, really great job of opening him up. And that's, that's kind of what I see. Well, you look too, you want to talk about being a header, watch Eric's left hand. Like I didn't like, Watch till we can run it back. The steer literally mimics his left hand. You want to watch about headers. Literally, as he rounds him off, you watch his left hand does exactly what Eric's left hand does. And that just showed you what a great job he did on the steer. He pushed up, and then he wanted to bring him down. He moved his hand up and around and pushed that mirror out in front, and then the finish was perfect. Yeah. So this is what we did right here. Uh, same thing. We got a real similar hopping steer from the X Factor video shoot with you guys um, and pretty similar camera angles. So we got kind of steer steps off to the right. Eric heads him. And then as he come, you know, comes around, I think it's almost the exact same heel shot. And so what I wanted to talk about right here is it hits slow motion. Where do you think this steer is legal at here? I think he's legal. The jump I heal him on right there. Right there. Straight so, across, steers open up. And I think this is what. Um, there's yeah, because before he was still kind of in a ball and he was kind of half hopping like he never opened up. And then he finally did that first jump out. Yeah. And, and you might even say, like, uh, when you watch it in slow motion right here, this steer those hips swing right there. And that's what they're, that's kind of that heel shot that's a little easier to sneak in. And I would say that's what they tried to take out with that crossfire mm -hmm. rule. But the steer does the same thing. You know, you can see the double hop in the turn like that. Like his right. hips swing, then it's that, like that's the change of direction right here to me. And because his feet are kind of like getting up underneath him and that's where kind of that double hit and then he opens up, which I would say that's exactly what the steer did at San Antonio the other day. But yeah, this is the other thing. This is only about 150 pounds lighter. Yeah, <laughs> maybe 250 so pounds like, lighter. Yeah, but that's the thing too. Is like we talked about beginning, and every steer hits differently. But them steers were little and fresh, so like of course they're gonna be hitting quick, and 
moving through there. So like it wasn't like he did the exaggerated deal. And obviously too, that's one of my steers, practice steers for the finals and stuff. He's been roped a lot, but like goes back to saying, Eric being a seasoned veteran and handling cattle so good, he's not going to hit them little steers because if you hit a little fresh Mexican, they're just going to fold up and then you're not going to know where to throw. So I just think, I, I just think he did such a good job. And honestly, he we kind of got penalized because Eric did such a good job handling that steer. I think is why yeah. it kind of looks so maybe in the flagger's eyes, but looked bad. Right. Well, Pace, I want to go back to the San Antonio run and Peyton, I'm going to do some drawing and try to, go Kent Murphy right here and break this down from a fundamental standpoint. From a fundamental standpoint. We're <laughs> going to hit the fundamentals right here. No, but so there's a couple of things I see here is one, you, you talked about it. Pause it, right? Go back just a little bit. Sorry. Um, kind of right when he, there, right there. You talked about the steers are fresh. So you, you've got to hold back your, your position, your horse's heads right here. And like you're probably not even even with the steer's tail yet, right? No, nope. So you're not late and you're not really behind, but you're not up here even with the cow either. No. But I think these are the reasons why it looked bad. One, if we play it forward, you're you're behind and you're coming in hot and pause it right here. You're crossing over maybe a tick early. Would you think so or no? Just a hair. Oh, yeah. Just a hair early. So where it puts you inside, and the judge should be sitting here. He's not there, just to point that out. And then when you bring it, <laughs> it just it, it it made the problem, it made the shot look more of like a crossfire than it actually was if you were just if you had all this colored out and you were just looking at this right here this was your focus then where your horse position at being a little bit late and a little bit inside if you blocked all that view out and just looked at the steer and when the loop hit i don't think it's a crossfire any there's, I don't think you can really even debate that, but from where, where your horse position was at, it made it look like it was because you were a little late coming in and a little bit inside. And right. I think when we talk about masking it and not showing it to the judge a little bit more, I think if you're up around the end of it and nailing when he's on the same jump, he, you get by with it all day. And right. it's unfortunate that your horse position makes it look bad. But I don't think at the end of the day, I don't think it was a crossfire. We need to get a judge on. No. Yeah, no, I, I have to break the, him down with a judge. Yeah. No, and that's the thing too. But like a lot of, a lot of uh, the run that Eric and I have, we like to, he likes to have everything real, real controlled. And we'll go make runs in the summertime may all be a little farther down the arena, but we'll be just as fast as everyone, just as long as everything's straight and lines up. I feel like that was kind of a prime example. Like I just did, I wasn't really in a hurry. I knew where the steer was going to be at. And I knew the run of the, I, I knew that I could really feel the flow of the run on that steer. And you talk about the inside. My horse is a, is a good horse. He's not the fastest thing alive, 
But on him, the best thing I can like the, the reason why everything everything looks felt great, but he's not a horse I run at the end of it on. Like he's not a horse you can just get to, because he's not the fastest thing in the world, but he's so easy and lets you throw whatever you want to and let you catch. But right. how the run matched up and everything, yes, I agree. I could have been one more down if it was on maybe one of my other horses with my bay. But on that horse, how how everything is, as long as I'm on the inside, he'll honestly kind of just keep not side passing, but the run will just kind of drift to him, and then and it close a run down for you to where you can just you can just really see the next jump, and you can really open up. But on that run, I was like, okay, it's too straight. I got him dialed in. Like jumps really felt good down arena, and the head up hit. I sure kind of checked off a little bit, and then I got to the inside, and when he left me. I just had loop everywhere. And dialed with three goals in the hand and a tight finish. But yeah. I I can't see the judge paying attention and zoning in, not really watching. I can see how it looks like he did it, but the only reason why I did that, I think, is because Eric did such a good job handling that steer where he didn't just hit him, he just rolled him to where he kept the momentum the same and the finish was good. Well, and there's just so much more role in the handles these days. Like we had Thorpe on earlier yeah. before you, and he was talking about how guys can reach with their whole head rope and keep their horse moving forward and roll the steer around because it's faster. You know, like you just said, you and Eric can yeah. go halfway down the arena and yeah. be just as fast as like, let's just say T Wade who brings it right over the shoots and throws three coals. You're get, you guys' run has so much more momentum and so much more roll to it that the rule was written. What in the eighties or probably, I don't know for sure, but yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. Roping has changed mm-hmm. a lot since 1995. It's changed a lot since 2010, even. Do you think yeah. uh, Peyton, like, video replay? I mean, obviously, um, we we had Wesley on earlier, and they had a – Wesley talked about a, a second judge is the reason why they, they, they flip-flopped the call a few times. They flagged him out for crossfire at Pendleton. Uh, or they flagged it clean. Flagged clean. Then yeah. the the second judge f- called it a crossfire. So they they found out a few teams later that it was crossfire, and then they changed their mind and decided it was yeah. clean again. Right? They decided to not call it crossfire. Is that kind of how that one went down? That was that was just because it was power of the people that day, though. <laughs> there was a hundred. There was hundred and fifty people standing around that they wouldn't even let them run slack till they took yeah. the. They gave them that one back. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's that's the thing that that honestly, and that's the thing that's beauty of the cowboy and the beauty of the perps. But like in a slack though, honestly too, if I ain't so sure, and now that we've done it before, we can do it. And it's not the I'm not blaming anybody, but so from where the judge is sitting, like Dustin pointed out earlier, he can't see. In my opinion, I'm gonna point out two things. One. Where that view is right there, the straight-on view that the Cowboy Channel has of this run looks worse than this. Like, it is bad. Like, you've watched it every life. How in the heck? But the judge, I think there needs to be two degrees of one where the normal judge is just so he can see the horse's face, make sure everything's good. And then if there's a question at all, I think he needs to, there needs to be a judge by the bucket shoot on the header side to watch the run, to see how everything is. Because the straight-on view and then the corner view are totally different. And that's the things are everything in team promotion. So I just think it's a big part. I think you got to have a second opinion or instant replay. But I don't think a judge that's sitting in the corner and the guys are going 
long three short four. I mean, I blamed him one bit. You can't. It's hard. You can't hardly see everything. But I think if there's a second opinion in arena that sees a straight on view, that's them are the guys that can really see when the steers are switching, how hard they're switching, and where the guy actually does throw. Because the guys that are in the corner, they can't really see when you throw and when the steers hit because horse and the rider block the view. Yeah, it seems like maybe the the line of sight on the steers' hips, if it's blocked at all, um, can kind of go away from you, you know, like as far as the call. Um, have they talked about video replay ever um, at, the, at the pro rodeos? Have you heard much conversation on that? No, but I wish they would at the bigger rodeos like San Antonio, Houston, Fort Worth, NFR, where the, where, where the video is so good and you can slow it down and instant replay on the big screen. You know, a referee can't make every call at a, at a football game, especially at the, at the, you know, at the Super Bowl. I just, I just wish them judges, for their sake, they had a little bit more to go on so they could make tough calls in split-second decisions. Yeah. Well, and, and it's all about just making the call right. At the end of the day, that's that's the name yeah. of the game is we just want to make the whatever call is right, that's what needs to be the outcome. I, right. I, I agree with that 100%. I, I just keep thinking, well, there are a few times, like the NFR would be a good example because you could go after the rodeo and review a run or something, but also... Pause it right here, please. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. Um. I just think it could, it could also go the opposite way because there are some times where some guys get away with crossfire and they might start getting flagged out and yeah. you might see some real disappointed people that were hot lapping the arena at the Thomas and Mac <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, no, we watched that one again. That's crossfire. Right. Um, so there, there would, it would be really yeah. hard lo- lines to ride. And, and what, I, what is this guy right here? Is that the judge at the back end? Checks a head catch, I believe. Okay. So why can't he check head catches? And be the crossfire judge. Well, I think when we I go don't know. to it, um, so this is why I try. Because that's the reason he's down there is to check the head catches in case the judge misses it. For the people that don't know, that is his job. Am I right, Pace? Yep. There is a guy. There's a, there's a yeah. There's a judge at the back end, and then now they got a judge that stands that pulls a barrier to make sure them guys don't throw in the box too. Right. Uh, were we gonna call that the Dustin Egg Squeezer rule? Because he's the guy that's like, hey. <laughs> He got yeah. he got him doing that one because yeah. he could throw so fast, which Actually, is amazing yeah. that he can. I'm not even talking trash. I'm just like that's amazing that yeah. he could do that. Oh, for sure. My set at Fort Worth, I've never seen it personally, but I was on the steer's head, and then that John Henry Gaona and Trevor now he threw before where he threw before the front part of the shoot. He got flagged out, but he threw halfway in the box. I personally hadn't seen it before, but I was in my set at Fort Worth, and I was actually on the steer's head holding his head straight, and he threw before where I was even out in the shoot. That's wild. Which is amazing to be able to. Uh, yeah, that's it's crazy. I, I think the deal is, uh, from like a flagger standpoint, you know, the to be where, like, this is kind of that same angle where we're talking. You can see when the hip's clear from this, this shot and the, and the momentum. Like, you could draw a line on that steer's back, and he'd be coming, you know, he's headed straight that way, right? Um I don't know. I, I keep thinking that the angles of which the rope, rope in is flagged and how it's presented is is such a big, big thing, Peyton. And that's why I want to, want to, I wanted to have you on because mm-hmm. you've, you've had a few bad calls uh, now and, and to talk about that and to have the dialogue, which I think that's the thing is there, there would be some ways to help mm-hmm. some guys hopefully. And maybe, um, maybe we could potentially uh, 
add a review. I think there are some times where if you do get flagged out for crossfire and in these rodeos that just have performances that are, you know, some of the rodeos that the mm-hmm. can make or break your whole year, it, it I don't see right. where, where it hurts, right? Like, I don't see why this is, uh, I don't know. I don't, I know judges want to make the right call. They're there. They don't want, they don't want to be they're talked not about. They're intentionally trying to screw yeah. nobody over. I, I don't, I don't think there is no. a judge out there that is intentionally going to go, oh, well, this Peyton Bray, he's throwing too fast. We need to, we need to shut this down. You yeah. know, I don't think that's ever, I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't no. think that's the case. Yeah. Or we just so. open it up, boys, and just say as soon as that head <laughs> rope's on, season. when that head rope's on, you fire it down there, yeah. and uh, the crowd might be going wild if they see some stuff like and that. And no one wants that. No one wants that because that takes away the sport and the beauty of it because there is real Agreed. beauty, and there's a really good, you know, it takes, you know, like, the, like, the, like honestly, like a run like San Antonio, there's so much going on for that run to be so perfect. And I was honestly, I was so bummed because – I many runs in my whole life that were that perfect and felt that freaking awesome, you know, make a good run, middle of the arena. And you honestly, too, like you want to go back on that run where you can look at everyone's tracks in the arena. We were one of the farthest guys down the arena on our run. Like yeah, you, you kind of looking at it and made that and we were faster. Yeah, we were faster going on. We were almost halfway down the arena. And we were, but that's just when a run and true, you know, true art kind of come together because everything works out the way you plan but i agree i do think there's a couple things that can, you know, like you said though no, no, no one wants to there's no one's out to anybody but like you guys said though harry rose is just an example one of the greatest flaggers of all time harry's been around for a while but the game has kind of changed and you know there's a lot of flaggers i mean no new guys are coming in but like you said like thorpe said the game's changing you know Guys are doing more with the header up. They're reaching farther. They're doing different things, you know. And that's that's where I think, honestly, to my opinion, I think the rule needs to be written, but it needs to be revised. Okay, guys, this is what we're doing nowadays. It's not the old days. We don't rope old steers. We don't. We're not running behind them the big switch. We're staying wide, getting their head, picking them up, and making good runs. And I just think that's where that's what I said too. Kind of popped off the first to show. Every person and every judge is going to see a crossfire differently. I just yeah. wish there'd be some common ground where we can get, okay, well, this is this is yes, this is a no. You know what I mean? There's got to be some common ground to where everyone needs to try to be able to see it the same as close as possible. Because you ask a guy in the you know from the eight point to the ten point to the twelve point to the whatever, and then half these guys that are judging, they don't want to fight. They don't want to. There's a guy that fight. The West Star jackpot we had at Westburg at the Helmsburg Rodeo this year. And Eric asked him if he was nervous. He said that's the most nervous he's ever been in his whole life. Flagging a team roping. And if them guys would flag a team roping, you know, all them guys that are posting on hill shots and stuff, they would kind of get to see what we kind of have to go through because they would be crucified if they go to a team roping. You know, the same guys that are flagging us out, if they go to their team roping, they would get crucified for making calls, you know, maybe not facing all the way or whatever. Or on the process or whatever, but them guys aren't perfect because mainly they're rough stock judges. And honestly, their defense, they don't really know what I mean, they know team roping, but they're gonna see it a little bit differently than a guy that lives it and breathes it every day. Just like it'd be like if any of them to go judge the rough stock. It's just not gonna happen. It's yeah. just it's hard to find some common ground out there in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think uh, my biggest deal is I just the PRCA has got to get 
instant replay involved in rodeo to get these calls right. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, I, I and here's my pitch. You know, if it's a tour rodeo, it's got instant replay. And you got a time event judge that sits in and, and watches instant replay, and you got a rough stock judge that sits in and watches it. And it's two guys sitting in a trailer or wherever they need to be in front of these monitors where they can see this and slow it down. And it takes 30 seconds to realize, hey, this one wasn't a crossfire right here at San Antonio. you know. And it's not going to slow up the right. road, rodeo, and it's going to get the calls right. And at the end of the day, that's mm-hmm. all that anybody's after is if it's the right call, then great. Yeah, I think um, I think to get to this, like the crossfire rule, is really when you talk about revision, the change of direction, I think, is what needs to be revised. Like what is change of direction? And to like look that up, define that, and, and start figuring that out. Because I, I think that the, the rule is pretty clear and easy to to go by until you start well what is change of direction and they talk about the hips mm-hmm. you know and everything kind of moving well now healers have gotten so good at it that at the end of the swing with those hips um moving they're they're getting heel ropes in and these headers are so good they're getting like that the the turn where it's not like that big hit or that big switch you know it's like they're breaking down and moving through it quicker and and so understanding like I, I think that's where it what needs to go is a uh, change of direction. And honestly, I don't even know. Like I, I, I do not want to flag. Uh, that's it's not, a hard job and it's a thankless job too. You know, we're sitting here talking about the two yeah. runs that he got flagged out on. How many runs has he probably got right at San Antonio yeah, since you- then, which I know we had a little talk earlier about the perf last night, but there's a lot of times they get the job right and we don't say anything. So it, it's a thankless right. job, and it's and it's a hard job, and one that no I don't news. Know if I no would news wanna... is good news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. So yeah, yeah. I, I I think we uh, we also can start us a new uh, new group on Facebook. Did I face <laughs> or not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I because I, I, I think that's a that's a really funny funny thing to think about is how many people like face even in World Series opens like I I don't think they it should. It blew have. my mind the first time I went to Arizona, and I'm like. What the guy, his horse didn't face and he just dropped the flag. And like, yeah, you don't have to face out here. Like, yeah. No, I'm... since when did we take facing? We took, now we took scoring with the World Series barrier. I'm going to get on soapbox right here for just a second. <laughs> we took scoring out of rope, roping. <laughs> Preach. And now we're going to take facing out of roping. I could be a hitter in Arizona. I don't have to score and I don't have to face yeah. my horse. Perfect. You just got to go to Arizona. <laughs> I just need to be there. Uh, I, no, I, I gotta agree. There's, there's a lot of tough stuff. And then also like the, the facing rule in the PRCA and then how it's flagged in lower number ropens, even when they do have to face is two different rules. I mean, it's pretty easy to watch that and and no. Um, so I, I think that's, that's kind of the thing, uh, at the end of the day, what's the hardest part about this whole deal is to be a professional team roper. The wins are just not that they don't come around that often. And so all all we, I think all we really want is to not have them cost guys money, but there's also been times where crossfires have gotten, there's been a lot of them that got gotten away and they've, they've won a lot of money with crossfires and that affects guys too. So it's a, it's a, you know, I don't know that we could ever, we could probably talk about crossfire and how it's flagged forever, you know, yeah. and I don't know that it'll, um, it'll it stop not being ever controversial, change. right? Because the rules can change, but well, guys are going to still push it to the brink. Yeah. And, and I think that's, 
that's kind of where yeah. it comes down to that. And that's why we want to have that conversation with you like this, Peyton, because that's, that's your job as a professional healer to catch. Uh, I mean, pretty much every steer by two feet is the goal and as fast and as possible, as fast as possible. So how do you, how yeah. do you do that? And you kind of got to be able to ride that line and willing to take those shots. But, you know, you know, and I asked you, this is one question yeah. that I had. I, I asked you this earlier about at the NFR, when you were, when you, you felt the momentum change and you're like, okay, I, you, you probably could start feeling that maybe there could be a crossfire call or like you kind of, you know, you were aware that it was going to be different. On this run right here at San Antonio, did you even think that that was going to be a thing that um, you'd get flagged out for crossfire when you're when you're dallying and pulling back? No, I just that I just thought you know when you know like when a plan comes together, like you just envision it and you you know you kind of put a run together. And it's like after that run, I was like, yes, like that was it. And then I don't even think twice. I just look over to make sure I got the flag, and then he flags us out, and I was just like beside myself i would just instantly i was just shocked and you can't go because how you can't go talk to him because if you go talk to him you're probably gonna get an argument with him and then you're probably gonna get fined but and at a perfect san antonio that you don't want to hold up because i mean it's pumping it's in a perf i just rode out of the arena as fast as i could but i was i was pretty mad pretty upset because like you said not very many times you know, that run was for 2500 for us to make it back when 4000 total and then have to come back and have a chance so that's San Antonio is one of the best rodeos of the year for us. Like that rodeo is amazing. We could go for the first three rounds for twenty five hundred, and then the semifinals. I don't even know what it pays, but it pays more than twenty five hundred. So many chances to get good money out there and set yourself up for a good for a good winner. And just I would just just it really just absolutely just suck all just taken away just off of a you know a judgment call at the time where he probably thought the call was right, but just the fact that you know team ropers. I mean, like us guys with a team up for a living, we know. I mean, you know when it is and when it isn't. But it's just, it just felt like this air just got sucked away from me. And I was just upset. And like you said, nothing you can do. You just go out of you know, one century horse and ride out and go on the next one, you know. But it just, I don't know what the words were, but just like, just tell it. So just like instant shock. This is unfortunate. Cool. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, how, not trying so to be funny, but like it really just that was the word to come. I think like, it's just unfortunate oh, that it happened. It just sucks, you know. Yeah. Oh man. Just hey, yeah. we're trying to make this That's an entertaining. Hey, we're trying to make this an entertaining podcast, just for strictly entertainment purposes. You don't have to say this, but what did Rogers say to the to the flagger whenever he undallied? Because I I remember watching it on TV, and I could see he he had a few words to say. <laughs> He, said, he probably said good Harry, call. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say, man, no, that was a great said, that was a great call, no, Harry. He, no, he said bullshit, Harry. Bullshit. Like <laughs> guys, for example, turn a million steers. Headers the same way that a lot of guys turn a million steers. You you have a pretty good idea. There's a reason yeah. why Thomas Mack he rode out of the arena and he didn't say nothing. But that right. one he had he had just kind of was instantly because you know instantly like there's no way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and he's headed for Corey Even Eric, Eric will tell you at the NFR. He's been flagged out a lot. Yeah. He knows. Even Eric will tell you at the NFR. He'll be the first to tell you, you know, it was close, you know. Yeah, yeah it's crossfire. No, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was borderline. Yeah, he got flagged out. I thought it was crossfire. You know, he's told me that. I mean, we, you know, I mean, that's what it is what it is. But that one, I'd love for you to have a cup of coffee and sit down and argue with him about it because it ain't, it ain't going to fly with him. But <laughs> Right. 
Well, man, I, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, and I think that's the thing is we're just trying to have an open, you know, open dialogue about it. And, and I think the biggest thing, like my takeaway from it was the fact that these steers, how they present themselves, how you present the shot and the, the situation just changes so much for a healer. And I think there's just times where like at the NFR, I don't think you have the opportunity to go another swing. You know, it's not like that, that steers going to be very easy right there. And then, you know, you talk about where the flagger should be to watch. Well, if he's over there where, you know, like we talked about earlier, well, he might be in the way if you do go another swing and your header's coming back. And like, so there's all these variables in this run. And it just seems like the the one thing that could happen was maybe, maybe some of these could get overturned with some video replay. Um, and I know it couldn't happen at all the rodeos all year long, but you'd think a few of the bigger ones might, it might happen. So, but right. Peyton... Thank you, man. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, Dustin, you got any questions for him? Or, Peyton, you want to add anything? I don't well, have anything else for him. Is that those, at a pro, my pro rodeo career, I've been flagged about twice, and you guys just seen both of them. <laughs> that's, that's twice more than me. Yeah. <laughs> You're still two ahead of pace. So I, I've, I've uh, healed uh, at a pro rodeo, too. So yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. It's not like I have a knot entered. So I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> well, Peyton, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, man. And uh, yeah. best of luck to you I'm this year. Just, that's, the, just... that's the beauty of it, too. Go ahead. You're, you're good. Frozen. You're good. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Um, what's what's the beauty of it, Peyton? You're saying? Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, there's just such beauty of it from going from, you know, the amateur the USRC, the amateur rodeos to pro rodeos is, you know, that's where you learn all this stuff from. And you got, you know, whatever foundation. But nowadays, like you said, rodeos are, you know, guys like like us, you know, going for the ranks and stuff. We, you know, we know you got a pretty good idea and like i said on m yeah i got flagged out you know, a couple of times because you live and learn but you know, when you get to pro rodeos and stuff it's higher level and you kind of expect you know more and that's where the bar is a little bit different and that's where you know that's where the judges are usually a little better and that's where you i feel like you get a better feel to run of what is and what isn't because i feel like nothing flies at the amateur is what flies at the pro rodeos yeah. And, and then I think also, you know, from the, the competitor standpoint, you know, you gotta, you gotta have accountability on your end. And, and that's, what's kind of fun is we got to break these shots down with you and kind of see why. And these are, these are the biggest moments you get rodeo on right here. I mean, that's ninth round NFR. And then to get your outlook and to be so good about it, man, cause they, you know, that that's your goal is you want to, you want to have a chance for world titles, but you also, you want to be willing to take the shot. And, and I think that's what, you know, you, what you've shown is, you know, your ability to do it. You, I mean, you've very close a couple of times. One, I mean, one, you just kind of, another team ended up winning a little bit more money at the finals, but that was, they had to, Paul and Colby, they had to win the round and your heel shot was great right there. And to come back and be in a similar situation, it's just, I, I like that mentality. You know, it's it's a guy that's trying to win. It's a guy that's trusting what he's got. So, I, I man, I don't think there's anything wrong with those shots. It's just sometimes it just doesn't go your way, and it's and that's that's part of that's part of life, and that's part of rodeo. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, man, thanks again. I know uh, I know we well, it was a little bit of a challenge to get you <laughs> on, uh, but we we got it figured out today. And uh, yeah. yeah, enjoy enjoy that Arizona sunshine and. Uh, 
Tucson next week. So good luck over there, man. Slow down, all right. Quit getting called yeah, no, out. Yeah. I, yeah, I got no, some. I used to be a crossfire. <laughs> I used to call me a crossfire team at the amateur rodeos. I got flagged out twice in one week, and now I guess we better bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll. Uh, I got some healing videos. I've. I'll, I'll send you some, and yeah. uh, you might get it. I. I promise. No one's. No one's even. You're getting not getting close. called out if you throw where he throws. Yeah. You might not win anything either. No. No. You're not <laughs> going to win anything. I already know that. <laughs> All right, Peyton. Well, we, well actually, we appreciate your time. You guys. Actually, I'm going to blame you guys because I watched Jake Long's instructional video and then I got flagged out. So I'm going to blame you guys. <laughs> we had we had you too hyped up. You know what? I'll, we'll take the blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take yeah. that. That's business, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're risk takers, man. Yeah, it's part of it. Uh, okay, yeah. Peyton. We'll we'll let you get going. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, we're going to get to a quick word from RPX. RPX Enterprises, specializing in supplementing the American cowboy. Everything from energy to joint pain to general health and wellness. All right. I know this is an easy company for us to get behind, Dustin, because you've told me a little bit about uh, taking some of the supplements to help out your shoulders. So what, what was your experience like with RPX? It was great. I, I took RPX when I started to have shoulder problems again and... I literally changed nothing with diet, exercise, anything like that. I just took the products, and it really helped my shoulder. I went from not being able to rope very many steers to I could practice all day long and have very little to no pain in my shoulder at all. And I know a lot of ropers have shoulder pain is a pretty common problem for a lot of ropers. So it'd be, be cool to go check them out and see what they're all about. Yeah, that's uh, myzingular.com for more information and to order your products. That's M-Y-X-Y-N-G-U-L-A-R.com, myzingular.com. We really uh, do appreciate working with these companies, and if you support them, that helps us uh, keep growing and keep doing what we want to do with this. All right, Pace, how do you think today's episode went? Man, it's pretty fun. Um, we kind of get the the perspective from... Wesley on what it was like to win the world title. I, I ne had never thought about that, like the pressure that you get. So it's pretty cool to to kind of dive into some of those things. And then also, you know, it's the dialogue between like cowboy and, and judge is it's kind of a weird culture in general. And to, to kind of get the perspectives from both these guys, you know, we're, we're obviously trying to make the sport better and trying to have it where there's not as many calls that, um, that people don't agree with. Right. And so I think that's just trying to bridge the gap on that. And so it was pretty fun to, to hear that. What about you, man? I thought it was cool to, uh, hear Thorpe's insight on some things, um, about how, you know, talking about how his life kind of changed after the NFR and he, he put the weight of the world on his shoulders. It kind of sounded like for a little bit and it made him go into a little slump and he talked about that a little bit. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then hearing Peyton's side of the story on why he, you know, he was kind of defending his case a little bit um, on what he thought was right or wrong about the calls. And so, um, but at the end of the day, I thought both guys handled themselves very well today. And because it's kind of, it's, it's a touchy subject to talk about. And, and you don't want to be on record saying something that um, is, you know, controversial necessarily. So I thought, I thought it went well. Right. And you know, the one thing about Peyton that I, I think is so crazy, right, is, the shot at the NFR is not a mistake. No. I, I think where he cuts it loose is the right spot. And I and I 
like I, I thought it was crossfire how it how it looks to me i but if it wasn't called i wouldn't you know i i wouldn't say it was you know it's just one of those the steer and the situation is just one of those spots that you very rarely see so that's that's kind of what sucks about that whole deal is i i think it's a great hill shot and and i i just think how the rule reads it's it you know it got them kind of there and but i don't know that's yeah and, and i think the whole the whole reason for this uh conversation that we had today is just to get get the people educated about what's going on and what these guys face uh, are up against you know because like we talked about a little bit you know like it's bigger than just one steer sometimes um you know you get called out at vernon texas at the circuit rodeo that doesn't change your life but the ninth round of the nfr can yeah and so i think it's just it's important to have these topics and and hopefully one day they will uh look at the at the crossfire rule and maybe make a few minor adjustments to it and just because team roping's changed so much. And to me, I look at it like the NFL. The rules have changed a lot in the NFL in the last couple of years. And uh, football's not the same as it was in, in the early 2000s, you know. And so I think team roping kind of relates in a little bit, uh, same same way to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the other deal is there's a lot of rules um, that, that change and, and have to evolve because the sports do. And then also the video replay, how it's used. I, I think there's a spot for it. I don't know... Um, how it can benefit everyone, but I, I do think that should be a conversation. I know with like Luke Branquino a few years ago, that was a big deal. And I think that there's definitely room for it. I think the WCRA seems to be to to be using it a little yeah. bit. And uh and and I I'd like to to kind of hopefully see the the video aspect kind of help help the sport out, right? Right. Yep, for sure. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um for any anything else you want to add? Uh, should we try to sell RPX or one last we, time? You know, uh, RPX. We we really do appreciate it though. Yeah. RPX Enterprises helping they were us uh, sponsor the show today, and they uh, they've been a great partner for us so far, and we look forward to working more with them in the future. So, you guys, go check them out. It's myzingular.com, if I remember correctly. So, go check them out, and we'll be talking to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.